name is Liam Bird and welcome to episode 19 of Punks in Pubs. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. I hope you're well. Uh, thanks for checking us out. And for you guys who are regulars, welcome back. You are the shit. just want to start by giving you guys a quick update. You may have seen if you follow the podcast on social media. If you don't, you can, at Punks and Pubs. Um, I put out a very unscientific poll, really, to see if you guys wanted any Punks and Pubs podcast t-shirts, because that seems like the thing that people do now. If you have a podcast, you make a t-shirt. You guys seem to like them, so why the fuck not? Why wouldn't I do that? You guys seem to want it, as the uh, poll revealed. So it is something I am going to start looking into. I already have a friend who is a designer. I now need to find a guy who is a printer. Either that, or I'm just going to start stealing some Primark t-shirts and just slapping something on that. Maybe. I don't know. It's kind of DIY, isn't it? As some of you may know, this podcast is DIY. It's just me, myself and I uh, with audio support from the lovely Stephen Burke. So things do move a little slow, but I hope to have something for you guys before November. So as I said, stay tuned to the socials because I will probably put up more information there than I probably will do at the intro of each podcast because let's face it, none of you fucking guys are here to hear me ramble. You're here for the interview. So let's talk about the interview. Let's talk about this week's guest. He's from the state where the winds come sweeping down the plain oklahoma for you non-musical fans he also has a voice that is pure velvet and he's the lead vocalist for red city radio my guest for episode 19 of punks and pubs is Jarrett dale this chat took place during the height of the world cup and before this interview i had been drinking all day and unprofessionally i may have been a bit tipsy uh during this interview that's not to say that this interview is not a good interview far from it i just wanted to let you know that (laughs) this was my reasoning for a few slip-ups that you will hear during the interview i was a little bit drunk now that that's my excuses out of the way let me give you a quick brief of what you can expect in this chit chat you can expect positivity a lot of it Jarrett is probably one of the most positive people I've ever interviewed, and that will come across in abundance during our chat. Uh, we talk about love of all music, not just punk. Jarrett teaches you how to be cool around famous people. That was quite good. Uh, we also geek out a little on old school wrestling, and I make it very awkward when I bring up politics. It's a bit cringy. Of course, we talk Red Sea Radio. Not, by the way, not cringy for the wrong reasons. It's just cringy whereabouts. Someone doesn't want to talk about politics and I'm pushing them on politics. It's a bit weird like that. Anyway, of course, we talk about Red Sea Radio and also uh, Jarrett's solo work. But as always, I give you, the people, the listener to this podcast, the opportunity to have your music played out at the end of the show. And this week, we have a bunch of guys from Newcastle upon Tyne. I'm not going to do the accent for uh, for Newcastle people because it's always mm, shit. These guys are called One Million Motors. So stick around for that and a normal chit chat after the interview. But that's all later. Let's live in the now. People, I give you episode 19, Red City Radio's vocalist, Jarrett Dale. Now I got your attention, I never thought that it would take this long. So long, in fact, I forgot what I was going to say all along. Lower, no pain, that's been us for the last 10 years. And I got the other single day when one of us said 
living at the face of fears. We don't need a goddamn thing from We don't need a goddamn thing from you. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, my man. How are you? I'm all right. Apart from that horrible fucking picture you just took of me. <laughs> I think you look good. I think you look good. <laughs> oh, well, cheers, man. I kind of made a little joke about Oklahoma, the musical. How did the people of Oklahoma actually find that musical? Is it like, oh, shut the fuck up about a musical? You know, I don't know. I haven't asked a lot of people, but it's a great, it's a good musical. It is a good musical. You know, so... Um, I mean, you must get it a lot. People like kind of throwing Oklahoma songs at you. Or was that the first time it's happened and you're kind of like, what the Sometimes, fuck? Sometimes, yeah. It's, well, there's a lot of people don't really know what Oklahoma is. Yeah. So I understand that, you mm. know. It's like if someone said they were from Connecticut. <laughs> you're like, well, what's that? But you say that, though, because I was looking at Oklahoma and, like, the music in the that's come from it. And in my mind, I kind of prejudged and gone, well, nothing's going to come out of Oklahoma. But you've had uh, uh, Kings of Leon. Yeah, uh, half of the dudes, I guess. Flaming Lips. Yeah. Uh, more All-American Rejects. Yeah. Hanson. Yeah. So it's not that bad. Me. You, of course. There's <laughs> <laughs> so, a long list of fabulous artists. Well, unfortunately, you're not on the Wikipedia of bands coming out of uh, Oklahoma. You no, should get on that, man. You should get on it. What's Oklahoma like for music? Is it a good place to go and catch a band, or is it hard? Is it difficult? It's a great place to watch a band if you don't want there to be anybody else there watching the band with you. Oh, really? So no one comes out? It's just like every other small place on earth. It fluctuates. We, as musicians, haven't been doing a lot trying to get young, younger generation of music fans into like punk rock and rock and roll. Yeah. It's more of like a bar scene. Yeah. So people are kind of locked down by alcohol there, which sucks. So there's not that many like under 18, well in this country we under 18 to drink. Is there not that there many? There are, but not anything that sounds like your favorite bands, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is wonderful. I love, you know, all different types of expression. It just sucks, you know, when you love rock and roll and you want to go to a rock and roll show with a local band. There's only like three local bands that play the same places every night. It's yeah. just annoying. It's just I don't mean to be negative. I, you know, it's 2018. I'm sure in the future that will change. I came from Oklahoma City and came from a music scene. So did, you know, some of the members of my band. And there was a great music scene. There was a great music venue. It was all-ages music venue. And it facilitated a lot a place for a lot of people to be and meet. Yeah. And that's where I came out of. I was a young kid. And I, the moment that there was a cool place having shows like that, I found it. And I grew up there. <laughs> you know, and I saw every band there. And that just doesn't really exist anymore like that. And one day it will, and so things will change. You know, so that's just how it works. So were you quite passionate 
already growing up? Like, it wasn't like until you're 15. Was it like already music? Nine, music 10? has been my entire life. Yeah, I, I haven't really found, and I have hobbies, but I haven't really found anything else like close. Yeah, you know. So, who was the person who actually introduced music to you? You got quite a musically family, or is it friends? Or it's funny. My dad. I just got off the phone with my dad, and he was like, "All right, you better uh, give your mom and I a shout out." You know, it's <laughs> oh, hey, a shout out, dad. I wouldn't say that my parents got me into music per se, because they're the type of music they both listen to, which is wonderful, is definitely very far from what I'm interested in, uh, or was interested in, at least then. And I always loved music. It's kind of hard to explain, because everybody says that. Like, yeah, I've loved music too. But I mean, like, it might be the only thing I've ever loved. Yeah. As a 31-year-old man, I, I think I can actually say that. Like, music as a whole, art, uh, I, I correlate that with love and uh, truth and, and knowledge and understanding. And, and I put all that into one thing. Yeah. And so it's not just music as in, like, oh, drums, cool, I love the drums, you know. It's, uh, it's all of it. It's, and it's unexplainable for the likes of me. So I won't go into some deep... You know, thing. But an analogy I thought of was, how about this? The, the life is, a, is just a river, right? Mm-hmm. We're all flowing down the river. And some of us choose to swim up current, down current. Some of us are drowning. <laughs> some of us are just floating along. Well, I'm in a canoe. Music is my canoe. Yep. And I have music. So while everybody else is stressing in their life, trying to get up and down the river or whatever have you, I am floating in my canoe. But I mean, yeah, I love that analogy as well. But I mean, if you're going to go with the analogy of a canoe, a lot of people are also trying to get in their canoe and are not being as successful as you in your canoe. So how how much did you sacrifice to get where you are? Well, success is a frame of mind. Very true. You know, what is success? That's You'll never be happy if happiness is success. Mm-hmm. What is it? The Dalai Lama said, the world already has enough successful people. It needs more singers and songwriters and storytellers and healers, troubadours, men singers, you know, the, the, the traveling storytellers, man. The, I, I, you ever hear that song, The Nature Boy by uh, Nat King Cole? Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah. I, I believe in that song. You know, there's the, uh, a well-traveled person is someone who has the keys to the universe. You know, now success is it money? I don't got any fucking money. <laughs> is it is it fans? Uh, you know, I'm surprised that there's people listening to my music, but I love them every single every single person that gives me a little bit of time to he listen to my music. I love you. I love you absolutely, and I'll never stop loving you. I know I'm getting a little off uh, off on the wing here, but but I get yeah, what you I, I, no no I get what you mean because the the I say success is, is quite oh, it's success, quite it's yeah. quite a flippant word to throw so, around. I'll tell you what, man, and this is I don't mean to brag or nothing, but my family is proud of me. My friends are proud of me. The people in my life who truly love me love me for who I am and for the person that I am. Yeah. 
and therefore I have all the success in the world. How are you accepting that success? I mean, I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> if that's what you're asking. <laughs> Let's leave that one out of that one then. Um, so you, you spoke about your, like, your passion for music. Where was the passion? Was it a light? Did you see someone live and go, holy fuck, I love everything you're doing there? Or was it an album that you no, put on when you canceled the kids? You know, that's the thing is that I, I, don't, I never really had like that pivotal moment. It just was always there. It was always something I loved. There was a time on a 4th of July weekend in 1995 in Edmond, Oklahoma where there was a band playing in a parking lot a cover band and my dad's favorite movie was Top Gun and one of his favorite songs was uh, You Lost That Love and Feeling by the the Everly Brothers or the Righteous Brothers excuse me the Righteous Brothers and they uh, were playing that and I ended up getting on stage as a 10 year old or however old I was, eight-year-old, and sang that song with him on stage. You know, like, what the hell? That's amazing. Like, what kind of eight-year-old kid knows you lost that (laughs) love and feeling? And it was the first song I ever performed, like, on a stage, like, was singing that song. In fact, to go back in time, I was in the first or second grade, and that we were learning about the Wright Brothers, you know, the airplane. What school did you go to? Well, oh, the Wright Brothers. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I was thinking something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wright Brothers. Uh, well, actually, I went to school in England. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, they were asking who invented, like, the airplane. And I raised my hand so confidently. When they called on me, I said, the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> and my teacher started laughing. They're like, no, but they wrote, you lost the love and feeling. And it was just, like, little stuff like that. I, when I was in the third grade, I asked my principal if I could, like, make a mixtape of music and play in between uh, like like before school like in the hallways and they let me do it you know like I, I, I was never in band I was never in um, jazz quartets I was never forced into music music has always been something that I truly love and as much as like my parents got me into sports, I am so grateful that they got me into sports. I had no future in sports. <laughs> they allowed me. They they took me to you know guitar lessons, and they supported me throughout that. And they also didn't support me just enough to make me really go out and do this full time. You know what I mean? Because no no parent wants their kid to dedicate their whole life to hanging out in dingy ass pubs <laughs> with the likes of you well I'm sure your parents would love me I'm a charming man oh they'd love you and they love me you know and I love them too and that's what happens when you when you find what makes you happy yeah and I'll tell you what makes me happy man facilitating happiness for other people makes me happy for example like I like to write a song and I like you listening to the song and being happy hmm. that actually makes me happy the art of writing the song definitely does make me happy but there's reasons why I'm not out there just writing songs nobody hears you know what I mean or like and like I'm, it's not something like selfish for me it's, I don't derive pleasure from writing music selfishly I derive pleasure from making myself happy selfishly which I try to do by performing music and traveling and and playing for people, man. And when you enjoy your process, that then only then you're able to really enjoy the product of what you do. 
And when I when that clicked, when you when you enjoy every day of what you're doing, everything really starts to show. And when, it's almost like if you make a sandwich with hate, and you take a bite of that sandwich, it's gonna taste like hate. <laughs> but if you make a sandwich with love, you might you can taste that love, you know. Yeah. And I feel the same way with music. I feel the same way with life. I feel like same way with every single day. Everything you put your energy into, you know. You have to make yourself happy before you're gonna able to ever make anybody else happy. I understand that, but you're 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 in an industry where happiness is a small, it's a hard thing to grasp because this industry that you're in is very negative. You get told no a lot. You, you're constantly trying to strive every day to to better yourself or or be on the level that you want to be at. How do you keep that positivity then? Because you seem like a very positive guy, and I love your vibe. But it must be hard. It must drive you down. Well, I smoke a lot of weed. I think I'm going to You know, is if you... And I don't remember who said this, so mm-hmm. I can't quote anybody, unfortunately. I wish I could give someone credit. But I remember hearing somebody say... It was probably some jerk, too. You know? <laughs> and they said, if you knew, if you even understood how powerful your thoughts were you would choose not to have negative ones. I was like, whoa. When I heard that, I was like, man, that's, that's real. We are our own worst enemies. You don't have an enemy. You are the only person that makes you not be the person that you want to be. Only you chooses to eat unhealthy, drink like shit, uh, not do the things that you want to not learn, you know. Mm. Oh, it's only you that makes you sit around, you know. And, and I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about me. Yeah. And when you start realizing that and you start seeing that, then you can really love your enemy and you can start loving yourself a little bit. You know, not like oddly, not like, like a weirdo, you know. <laughs> not somebody like looks at themselves all the time or whatever, you know. <laughs> Some people can love themselves too much. Yeah. But most people don't love themselves at all. They, you know, they might like themselves here and there, but don't love themselves. And I didn't love myself forever. And, you know, and that's totally understandable. But when you realize that the things that you hate about the world are the things that you are projecting into the world, you can stop that and you can love yourself. And when you start doing that, you can start loving other people. How long would it take to make you want to break my heart? Cause I'd be willing to wait if it takes all night. For a moment we can forget just how cool we are And pretend we can make it all right We were out of our minds, wild and lonely Just a bunch of wannabe bucks that didn't know shit We fall right into the pit 
just talk a little bit about punk rock and also your other musical taste because I've noticed in, in other interviews you, you talk about like Childish Gambino, Drake, uh, Wu-Tang Clan. When did I ever talk about Drake? You, uh, in an interview, did with Punktastic uh, quite recently as well. Maybe you're stoned. You I don't forgot. think it was me, buddy. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a Drake fan. Nah. Nah. Okay. Well, I mean, you've got like an eclectic... <laughs> <laughs> Go there. <laughs> Fuck Drake. Uh, so you've got like a collective musical taste. So where... Like, in terms of punk, was it punk first, or was it hip-hop first, or was it soul, was it you funk? You know, it's or? kind of funny you, you, you asked that. It was definitely not punk rock yeah. first. Definitely not. I was raised uh, in a military family on okay. military bases until 1990-something. <laughs> and then we moved to America. And, and I've been there ever since. Mm-hmm. And... Growing up, my dad was into like Marty Robbins. He was into you know like Roy Orbison, who I love. Oh my god, I love him so much. And Gary Puckett, Union Gap, mm-hmm. and uh, Three Dog Night. Yeah. My mom was really into Billy Joel, Elton John, uh, music like that. And I always loved musicals. I love them. It's funny you brought up Oklahoma. Not my favorite. But what is your favorite? Phantom, I mean, Phantom of the Opera, yep. Fiddler on the Roof. Mm-hmm. These ones I grew up with. Some of my personal favorites now. I like opera a lot, you know. Um, is it a performance or is it the music that you enjoy? I love the music. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to wa- be more um, knowledgeable about like opera performances. That'd be so cool. But I can't afford to see that shit. <laughs> so I just stick to my jazz. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so growing up, I got, you know, I was really into that. Like, I was Righteous Brothers. I, I, looking back, you know, it's pretty cool. I I wouldn't let music go. I would find movie soundtracks. I'd listen to my older siblings' music that was like on the radio, yeah. which inadvertently got me into punk like later on because you know Offspring was huge in the early nineties yeah. and like Green Day and all that stuff. But while that was really popular, when I was a baby, essentially when I was like five years old. My favorite music was rap music and oh, R&B yeah. and soul. It kind of still is. I have plans to go see Keith Sweat uh, next week or next month. I'm really excited. You know yeah. Keith Sweat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like old, you know, older country music uh, had that kind of like R&B soul to it as well, and I, and I loved it. And when I moved to America, when I, you know, growing up – fourth fifth grade start getting more rock music you hear like the radio more aggressive music and then later on like it wasn't until i like started listening you know just happened sixth grade or something like that got into like operation ivy and, yeah and battle religion and stuff music like that and when i heard that music i my brain clicked i was like oh well this is this is it this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. music that you love and i listen to that music forever and i still do all the time I and this is something I don't really tell people because I don't really like the idea of like giving advice out. But if you listen to punk rock all the time, you're gonna get burned the fuck out on punk rock all the time. Like, how? What are you doing? How can you add to a musical genre if you're writing punk rock music and all you listen to is fucking other punk rock bands? You're not really helping out anything. No, at you all. Know what I mean, I mean, yeah. take the Clash for instance. The Clash took a huge influence. Amazing band. For they, they um, Jimmy Cliff. Is a huge influence from the Clash and Jimmy Cliff. Oh yeah, and and how much their their sound sounds together, and uh, 
for me, I always see the comparison between punk and hip-hop. They both came from the same space of anger, poverty. Not calling the cops. Not calling the cops when things get good. And just, like, just put on a, a show. And that's where my... Because I'm, I'm a big hip-hop fan as well. Me too. So, yeah. so I love the comparison between the two passions that I have. You kind of spoke about punk a little bit. Can you remember your first punk show you went to? First punk show? Uh, like... Punk, punk yeah, show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, like, probably spitting, not, honestly. Oi, elbows out. Yeah, honestly, probably not. No. I don't know. Because I'm from Oklahoma City, man. So well, it was really small. Yeah. So when Against All Authority would come, they'd play at like a, uh, an American Legion hall, you know, or like a little skating rink. And yeah. so that stuff, and looking back, the shit's pretty punk rock. Like, we're like insects. Like, you just give us a space and we'll, we'll take it over, you know, and, and, and put bands and facilitated with rock and roll and young so, kids getting fucked up <laughs> and being jerks but I, it's kind of funny one of my first like concerts was uh like punk concerts <laughs> it's weird to say like that was <laughs> mxpx oh, at wow. the diamond ballroom in oklahoma city oklahoma in like 2000 2001 yeah so i'm 31 years old okay so i was 13 years old yeah you know 2000 2001 and I was recently on the Mike Herrera podcast, and I got to tell him the story about when I saw his band for like the first time. Nice. And he remembers that night real well because they were on tour with Good Charlotte at the time. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And it was like one of the dudes' birthdays, and it was weird that like two guys, you know, that are in two different bands, they're fans of each other, like sitting having a conversation. We were in the same room uh, 17 years ago. <laughs> and we both remember for very different reasons. So how did you feel like that? Because obviously you, this is a guy who you've clearly like saw on stage. Was it weird that you're now like peers? Or did you like, he's just a fucking regular dude. Everybody's a regular dude. They are, but you have that kind of, you, you go and meet someone who you're like, oh, hope he's not a dick, hope he's not a dick, hope he's not a dick. And then he turns out to be a dick. You know, I don't do that. No? I don't project my, my hopes on people mm -hmm. I guess you know what I mean um, I met so this is going to be really weird I met my favorite band today okay I met Parliament Funkadelic today I don't know who that is but I'm excited to find you out you don't know who, who George no, Clinton no, no, and Parliament no, no, no. Funkadelic is educate me we want the funk yes better have that funk oh fuck yeah yeah, 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 yeah. everybody get up more <laughs> of the funkiest stuff I mean you just said you're a huge hip hop fan Dr. Dre sampled Parliament Funkadelic yeah, yeah. all through the you know let me ride. Oh, yeah. So, so what did you, you meet them? Uh, we met them at the border entering the UK today. They're going and playing at different festivals. And we, we just were like, came in to have to do the whole fucking visa check thing. Yeah. And we started talking to these dudes. And they, we ended up, they were like, we're in a band too. And we're like, what band? They're like, Parliament Funk. P-Funk. We're P-Funk. And I was like, and I, my head turned. I was like, what? Because <laughs> they're my favorite. They're definitely one of my favorite bands. Yeah. Easily. I have like DVDs of them. I have multiple records. Dr. fucking Funkenstein was just sitting there, man. It was crazy. <laughs> was he like the coolest fucking... I didn't bug him. I don't like bugging people. But, um, you know, it's funny. And we ended up like talking and hanging out. And I'm talking and hanging out with my favorite band. Well, what do you what do we say to them? Do you tell them that you love them? No, everybody should already love P Funk. <laughs> I ended up talking to one of the other members about jazz. We talked about Art Tatum and talked about like some some cool horn players and stuff. You yeah. know, like everybody's everybody. And I'll tell you what, I love meeting people. I really do. I like meeting every kind of person. And so for that, it doesn't really like change if somebody happened to be like on TV or something, right? 
but let me let me break down a wall for you because I don't because I think there's a tad bit of a disconnect. There's not a lot of communication. Let's just say you are Leonardo DiCaprio, right? You're Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, everywhere you go, you imagine people are coming up to you, right? And then in the back of your mind, like, well, that's not that bad. If people are fans. That's awesome. Well, the reality is that a majority of these people are putting on a lot of uncomfortable energy on you. You, you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe a little nervous yeah. energy. Have you ever, you ever talked to a girl who was nervous and it was weird as hell? All the time. Actually. And she was just like, that was fucking weird. You know, you <laughs> just tell in her mind. That's happening in that situation as well. You're projecting nev- negative, or not negative, excuse me. You're projecting nervous energy onto mm. someone who isn't prepared to really take it and doesn't know how to accept that. I think it's a good idea to like, after shows, if you're going to meet people to have fun music, like 90s R&B in the background because it loosens the vibe up and people are like, getting, you know, because when I meet my favorite band, I want to tell them how much it means to me that their music like I don't, it changed me, and I want them to know how important it is. But you know, it's it's funny. It's like you want them to know how important they are to you. Yeah. And the best way you could ever let someone know that they're important to you is to make them feel important. And that's where it's just this weird nervous energy kind of thing. Because you know. Nobody wants to, f- I mean, I don't know. I always say it's nice to be important, but it's important to be nice, you know? And to have, and to think of like, yeah, you know, just to kind of accept that. And so when I, you know, when there's kind of like a little nervous energy, I get anxiety really bad sometimes, you know? I, I feel I like sometimes I just can't, I just don't want to go out, you know, and, and, and communicate really. And then, see, so I, I understand that nervous energy. And, that, and so I come from a place as a fan, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm, I'm kind of mumbling a little bit and no, I'm getting no. off, guard, off base, so I apologize. I've never actually formulated this point before, but I'm a fan far before I'm like a musician. Yeah. But I have, in a band and bullshit, but I happen to do this as well, so I'm really good at faking cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with that said, we're all faking it. Well, yeah. So when you go up to Leonardo and you tell him how cool he is, you're freaking him out, man. So just go up to him and go, Oi, Leo, how you doing? Or maybe just, looking good, Leo. <laughs> exactly. Just walk on by. Just leave him. Don't ignore Leo. Yeah. He'll freak out if you ignore him. You know what? Maybe make yourself a presence of inviting warmth that Leo wants to be around. <laughs> what do you think that warmth would be that Leo wants For to be around? For him? Around? I don't know that motherfucker. I don't know <laughs> <give> a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom of the no bus that's true. Here, the winner knows you go. 
a little bit about Red City Radio then, because uh, we kind of rambled and not really spoke about the band. So how did you get to a point of where you are now? I mean, what were you doing before the band? And I know you've done some solo stuff I, after. I've been in the band for 12 years. Yeah. So before the band, I was in high school. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So were you not playing? You kind of mentioned it. You weren't really playing like shows as like other small bands oh, and trying to man. break out. I've been playing guitar since I was 10. been in bands since the first time I could find other people that played other instruments. Uh, I was in a band in, like, the sixth grade. My my eighth grade band was, like, a ska band. <laughs> and we, like, opened up for, like, pretty cool bands, you know? And then my band after that, which was before Red City Radio, we opened up for Rise Against. We played with, like... And I was in, you know, sophomore, junior, senior high school. Yeah. Playing fast punk rock bands and played with Agent Orange, Necromantics, just, like, every band that would come through town and... Uh, Dallas, the drummer, actually did a poster for the Rise Against show that my old band opened for in like 2005, maybe. It was the Sing the Sirens tour. And when with Red City Radio, I was just kind of ready to get out of that music. I was always like a predominant songwriter for my bands. And I entered Red City Radio as like a second guitar player, not like a songwriter. Yeah. And I loved it. And I loved the different style that they had going on. And then. You know, years and years later, I just had to go and ruin the band and fucking <laughs> start writing songs years later. But and then it, it became what it is now. But I needed that change of pace, that um, that different style of music. Uh. I, I want to talk about um, the two songs that kind of start two of your two of my favorite albums. So you got what you got and uh, notes taken shy of uh, Octave. For me, they're they're two of my favorite songs, and they just happen to be two opening tracks on your albums do you purposely like how much science goes through putting together an album because it's all science it's always science but, but I mean seriously because for me once you're hooked on one song you can listen to a whole album if the first song doesn't grab you I think sometimes you kind of zone out and you're not completely taking it all in so are you aware of that? Is that something you give a fuck about? Or is that something... Because you seem kind of laid-back guy now, getting to know you a little I bit. give only fucks about music. <laughs> and the little details that you would think they just go, you know, like, natural, whatever, like, mm-hmm. those are the things that we stress. Those are the the constant thoughts on my, on my mind, you know? You know, with What You Got, I wrote that song last on that record. Okay. And it got, you know, like, the parts and stuff, of course, you know, took a little longer, what have you, um, like, formulating out every detail. But the song itself was written within, like, a minute. Like, I was just playing on the guitar, and I wrote it quickly, like, just like that. It was just like that. (laughs) There's no other way I can explain it, really, except it just happened like that. And then when it got to the point to, like, show the band, you know, then we work on it and formulate it and shit. But um, that's just how it happened. It came out just like that. I was like, ooh, that would be a perfect first song, you know? Just how it goes. I would say if you, like... Well, I mean, that's... now I was about to misspeak. I've never written an album thinking, all right, I gotta write that track two song now. Yep. I gotta write that track... What basis are you writing off of? Like, what formula... What formula is this equation getting worked in? Music is free. Music is, is live. So just live it. Hmm. Just write it. Write it. Write it all. And then when it gets around that time that you're going to have to start doing some shit, <laughs> wrangle it all together. 
see what you got out of it. And then leave it to the producer, or are you very much involved? In, 100% in, uh, involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never clock out. No. So I'm here with you right now, baby. You are? <laughs> never, never clock out. <laughs> Red City Radio's self-tie album came out in 2015. The label you were with then folded. Yeah, yeah How much did you crazy. know about that? Well, you know, when, when we say folded, <coughs> it wasn't like... Like, they got bought out. Like, they're, they okay. were a, a subsidiary of Vagrant Records. Okay. And then Vagrant got bought out for, like, a bigger company. Um, yeah, it sucked. Sucked super hard. It was our favorite album. We we're so proud of it. And, you know, it fell on deaf ears uh, for, a, for a while, it seemed. But I'll tell you, man, we tore our asses off, and we put that fucking album in people's ears. And... I'm very happy and proud to report that I think people like it. Yeah, definitely. And it set us off for a new course of how our band is going to be and how we write songs and how we perform songs and how we communicate with each other. It's fucking amazing. And and, and that album only came about by like thinking the way that I'm thinking now. By being positive and thinking communicating and expressing yourself and not like forming to like something that you think that you have to be for any other reason something that you think that you're relying on maybe like creatively stylistically whatever like who gives a fuck david bowie's already been around dude nobody's gonna be better (laughs) than that so now you can just be yourself you know, these these rock gods, Prince, he already existed. There's already a coolest guy who's ever lived. Now you don't have to be that. Now you can be whoever you want to be. You dig? Because yeah. there's no you. There's already the rock. And there wasn't a rock before the rock. So he went out and made his own fucking... Few, there was never, like, a huge Samoan ex-professional wrestler movie star that he could, like, fucking follow in the footsteps of. He did that shit and got himself, you know? And I've, I drive inspiration from that shit that all those superstar mega personalities they exist so now we can be ourselves we don't have to be the people that our teachers told us we're gonna be or the the people that we think our parents want us to be because the people our parents want us to be are people that's why they fucked and had us baby you know what i mean if they wanted clones they had clones but they didn't they had us you you touched on WWE and WWF. I love wrestling. I know, and that's why I'm going to about to bring up this question. <laughs> so yeah, so you just, so you, I know you're a huge wrestling fan. So let's talk about entrance music. What what is your favorite entrance music for WWF? Undertaker. Really? Got to be the Undertaker. Yeah, I and I answer that fast because I've thought of this. There are great entrances. There are great wrestlers. There are great characters. Undertaker. But Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, is such a good... There you go. You see, you got it. You got it. He's just coming. (laughs) Love it. Working hard with his hands. I mean, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. You know, he had a great one. Jake Snake Roberts, he came out just a... He came out with Damien, you know. Yeah, these are great. The Bushwhackers came out. Fucking love the Bushwhackers. The golden, yeah, the golden era wrestling had uh, the best entrances. But uh, yeah, Undertaker is and is he your favorite wrestler? Is is like your? I thought about this a lot, man. You know, I think my favorite wrestler is the Brooklyn Brawler. 
<laughs> okay, yeah? Yeah. Because he's an underdog or because he just looks like how you maybe want to look? I got a lot of love for the jobbers. <laughs> yeah, a working man. Yeah, I got a lot of yeah. love for a working man. Got a lot of love for a jobber. You know, uh, every night going out on his back, yeah, putting over, uh, putting over future stars, that's a star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I now am so fucking happy to live in a world where that's truth. Because hmm. I grew up in the late 80s, 90s, where there were sidekicks and heroes. It wasn't until now where we realized that Big Trouble Little China, that movie's about a sidekick. Jack Burton is not the hero of that movie. He is the sidekick. That perception, it's, it's interesting. It changes you a little bit. It changes yeah. the way you think of, of things, the way you think of yourself, you know? Like, yeah. Oh, I love wrestling. I love the suspension of belief. Well, that's what it is, isn't it? it Ric Flair, man. Oh, woo. Um, the idea of like a soap opera, because that's essentially what it is. And it's that moment where you can kind of shut off and get caught up in just stupidity. Because that's what it is, really. It's try- well, kind of. I mean, yeah. It it's can, entertainment. It can be. It can be, but there is wrestling going on right now that is not stupid. You know, there are wrestlers right now that is far beyond stupid. That are... F- fucking athletes you know oh, what I mean? I'm, and, not, I'm not and, saying and none of them there's, some, there's some people well <laughs> not all of them are athletes <laughs> some of them are bowlers I'm a bowler you know <laughs> what I mean but there are artists there are magicians you know and the parallels to professional wrestling and becoming a professional wrestler and being in a rock band are eerily similar explain you're in a you're in a fucking car with a couple of smelly dudes driving to a gymnasium two hours away to, to get paid 25 bucks to, to, to damage your life for experience, for time, you know, for a very small amount of people who enjoy watching that level of entertainment. Um, you know, because the people who come see you in the garage probably not going to come see you in the amphitheater. Mm. And the same thing there. The people in the gymnasiums probably aren't going to come see you at SummerSlam. You know what I mean? And you move up, you learn, you get better with your character, you you indulge in the philosophy, you you put your heart and soul and your sweat and tears into what you love, and you enjoy your process, and you get a great product out of it. And you watch people fall off every every day. You see it, you know, and and the wrestler buddies I I know, we haven't gone in detail or depth of it, but every time, you know, we know. We don't have to talk about it because we know um, it's like that. Yeah. You know, there are, yeah, life, life all around you. And a business that will never give a shit about you, you know, but you give a shit about it and selfishly. You know, yeah. You use it selfishly so you can't complain about it using you. Last but not least, and I probably shouldn't be telling you this. So don't tell anybody. Hopefully all your listeners have clocked out by now. <laughs> but... Uh, when you have a character, wrestling persona, that is closely based to yourself, where it's you times a thousand, that's more likely to get over than like some made up like occupation. Yeah. I'm the trash man. Here, I'm a trash guy. You know, if you were British and you were rough and tough. Prince Bulldog, you know what I mean? You get over like it's, it's a, it's an, exp- it's just a, a outlandish 
view of like your inner self and people connect with that like they really do and they connect that with more than people being human yeah you know um and there's something beautiful about that so when you go on stage is that something you do then do you try and make your personality a thousand times i don't try i do that i do that yeah i'm very quiet shy ish um dude who likes to sit in air conditioning and i don't really drink a lot <laughs> and like and and um you know that's what i enjoy i enjoy listening to jazz music yeah you know and i and i enjoy different things all the time i have different waves you know maybe tomorrow i'll be into fucking hiking who knows you know maybe i'll like hockey in, in next week <laughs> who knows i don't know i don't know but when i'm on stage i try to elevate the parts in me that are cool the cool parts of me and i'll tell you a secret about being cool the only people who know how to be cool are people who spent a long time not being very cool <laughs> you dig yeah man. james dean must have had boogers in his nose <laughs> yeah, yeah you know what i mean like the coolest dude on planet do you have you heard of that comedian pete holmes yes so funny he has that bit about uh, the coolest guy on Earth's name is Leonard Kravitz. <laughs> <laughs> if Leonard Kravitz can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Right? We're all uncool. Yeah, We're all yeah, a bunch yeah. of dorks out here. Definitely. You know I mean? So, you know, so I hope, I hope someone can watch us and feel a little cooler. And maybe take that coolness to the fucking, to the cubicle, man. And, and, and be cool. And... and Spread good vibes and make people happy. Uh, man, wouldn't that be nice? That's something I hope that happens. I hope people can take a little bit of our rock and roll home with them and use it. I might end there. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting good at this. You are, man. I, I like that. But okay, but I do have more questions, so I'm going to okay. keep pushing, man. And nothing's ever gonna get better Now it's all clever rules Now I got nothing left to lose I got nothing left to lose Maybe you could help, help, help me, help me up And we can try, try, love is not enough And we can open, pray we don't grow up But there's not something we choose Now I got nothing left to lose solo stuff because you have gone out and done it yourself and I feel that I feel it's very brave to anyone who's been in a band all this time to go I'm going to put myself front and centre without anyone else around me and it's just on me now how did you explain that to the guys in your band because that must have been a difficult conversation as well no it wasn't no? at all yeah because I, if you've built something together and then on the back of that, you're going, well, I'm going to try and do that myself. And people are going to know you from Red City Radio. So people are coming out for you because of that. And then it, what if then you get bigger and bigger and bigger as a solo artist? They might be thinking, well, what the fuck? What were we? Michael Jackson said, learn from the greats, learn to be greater. 
I am music. Music is me. I, I, I create. I will only create. Creating music and putting it into different places other than Red City Radio only benefits Red City Radio. You dig? Yeah, yeah, You know, I know what a Red City Radio song sounds like way before you'll ever hear one. And I know what one doesn't sound like. You know what I mean? But how was that conversation, though, with the guys? Where they were like, you go for it, man. You, you, you... Well, yeah, of course. They're, they're, of course, supportive. I mean, there wasn't a conversation. It was something that was going to happen for years. I had, like, I wouldn't say country songs, but I've had slower songs, acoustic songs, for years. I have a song called House Full of Dogs that I released on um, it, the my 2T's EP. came out on Red Scare Records last year. Yep. That song is almost nine years old, you know? So that was always something I was going to move forward and into. Now, what that solo thing is, I don't think has yet to be actually like seen. Um, I can't really tell you too much about that, but there's 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 a lot coming in the future. I'll tell you that. And one thing that doesn't slow down is Red City Radio. There's more to come from Red City Radio. There's more to come from my solo music. There's more to come from other bands that I'm going to create. Yeah. I will never stop creating music. And it's not fair to fans of Red City Radio to explore avenues that I will explore in other avenues. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so you know you're not just you're not just calling yourself off as Red City Radio and yourself. You you're constantly trying to create. Yeah. You you're constantly trying to build something whereby people can when you and I pass People can go, fuck, yeah, I know that guy. He did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. And he's not just, oh, yeah, I know that guy. He did this one thing. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Red City Radio will stand on its own for what it is. So let's talk about um, Sky, um, Sky Tigers, which came out on Red Scare Radio. Uh, I'm going to quote this from your website. just because Red I, Scare Radio? Red Scare Radio. I did just say Red Scare Radio, didn't I? Jeez. My bad. <laughs> from Red Scare so the message with Sky Tigers is a message of acceptance and love, accepting control over the universe and taking a stand against hate, fear and confusion. We hope that these songs will make our listeners feel like there is someone who feels the same way, because there is. Now, in my simple mind, is that political or about Trump's America? Or is that just you trying to be expressive? Like you have to, between me and you, trying to get people to kind of just open up about their musical tastes like just enjoy something from just enjoying it who's America? well I mean he's the president right now who? Mr. Trump Mr.? well you call him Mr.? we're British we're polite I mean I can call him a cunt because he is a cunt that's fine call anybody you want a cunt (laughs) well what do you call him? Uh, I don't call him at all I don't have his number (laughs) But can you see what I mean? Because it is, at this point in time, America as a country is seen in one way. And from your... I don't know. Blur, I, don't really, I don't look at it. No? That, you're quite flipping with politics. Like, take it or leave it. Uh, yeah. You know, this is one of those questions where I just kind of like... I wish you could just see my expression on my face. Because <laughs> it, uh, it would really sum up everything. Yeah. Uh, I care deeply for human beings. Cool. I care deeply for the world. 
I care deeply for the ability for every human to have clean water and fucking legal marijuana and art. Seems like you should be Canadian. It sounds like I should move to Canada, yeah. Mm. There will always be hate. There will always be negativity. There will always be greed. Always be fascism. We can fight it any way we want to. I, you know, I, I, I think people should go out and vote. I think people should be more informed. Absolutely. But all I will say about any of that shit is that there also, there also will be because of that. There will always be love. There will always be positivity. There will always be companionship. There will be compassion. You know what I mean? There will always be that opposite side of the coin. I choose not to indulge into the darkness because I spent a lot of goddamn time there. So I now am going to selfishly spend my time in the light. Now, when I say that, I know I don't mean to say that like I said I'm ignoring politics. I don't. I'm just here right now in a foreign country to spread love and to spread music. And that's the only thing I'm going to do. Maybe we should leave it there because that's, that's a nice ending. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Absolutely. I love this. this and, uh, oh, cheers, man. Legalize marijuana everywhere. Nothing that I can rely on But at least I'm happy And hey, that's something So many
I'm sorry. But I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone. The good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life is free and beautiful. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. Thank you to Jarrett for having a good old chinwag with me. Go check out their newish EP, Sky Tigers, released via Red Scare Records. Available at all good record shops and, uh, well, iTunes. Uh, talking of iTunes, go rate and review this podcast. I'm giving it to you for fucking free. At least you can do. Go help out a brother from another mother. Go give the podcast a rate and review. It really does help. This podcast is also available via Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go follow us there using the handle at Punks and Pubs. If you're listening to this podcast on your phone, which a majority of you probably are, uh, why not share it to your friends via WhatsApp? It could be like a free gift that you give to them. And if you don't like them, then give them this podcast anyway. They might fucking hate me. And then it could also be an act of revenge. You know, it works both ways. Right, that's it for the show. Thank you to Stephen Burke for audio assistance. And thank you to One Million Motors for getting in contact with me and being this week's band that plays out the podcast. One Million Motors are a bunch of dudes from Newcastle. And this is their new single, Home Away From Home, available to stream and spy via Spotify, iTunes, Google, and Amazon Music. As always, if you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Till next time, stay well. Bye-bye. And I'll see you at the line